0: Yeah, gentlemen, I'll see you there Saturday. Please sign up. Today is the day to do that. We are in the book of Psalms as we go through the Old Testament, and we're kind of going through this. And what we're doing is doing all of this to prepare us for Easter, leading up, uh, us up to Easter. And the, kind of the theme of our sermons here as we get up to Easter is, Christ is worthy to be praised. And the reason I, I have this as a theme, because this is what the passages kind of proclaim and show us, but we've got to think, why is He worthy to be praised? And I've got two examples here of what we're doing. One, if we look through the book of Psalms, there's this aspect of the royalty of Christ. As we go through some of the messianic passages, many of them speak of this royalty that Jesus Christ, this Messiah, this anticipated Savior would have but then also as we look at these passages we will then lead into the suffering aspect not only was this Messiah have this royalty but there was also this suffering that the Messiah had in fact many times most people when they look at the Psalms they look at the royal passages like today's the most famous one it's amazing but sometimes they don't realize the suffering aspects talking about in the book of Psalms so we're going to be going through this series looking the first 3 sermons at the royalty and then the suffering leading us up to the resurrection again the resurrection changes everything for us because it is life and it gives us life it's very important jesus was raised from the dead and that's part of the Verification of who he was, and that's what a lot of the New Testament writers look at the Psalms talking about. He is to be Savior, Lord, and to be worshiped. This is why we celebrate Christ. Because of the cross event, Christ is worthy to be praised. In fact, every Sunday that we gather, it's based upon this Christ is worthy to be praised. Last week we saw in Psalms chapter 2, first as David and his first readers understood Psalm chapter 2, that there would be this anointed one, this Messiah that would come. And then we went through Psalm 2 again looking at with the New Testament lens as how the New Testament readers understood Psalm chapter 2. Seeing Christ in the glorious proclamation as the anointed one. He is the Messiah. And Christ's coronation happened at the resurrection. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate victor. And here's the line I said, I said last week. Write this down because this is so important and so helpful for us. And here it is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest understanding and display of God's sovereignty. Again. For me, this was almost part four of our three-part series of Esther and Job talking about is God in control? He is. God's in control. He's got this. And the greatest example of that, that God is in control, that He's sovereign, is seen in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it is the greatest evidence for the deity of Jesus Christ. Powerful statement. Powerful thing. And that's why Easter is the main event that we Christians anticipate, celebrate, and live out of. So before we get into our passage today, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you came to display your power and might through royalty and through suffering. Sometimes in my mind, I think you could have just snapped your fingers and we all could have been just taken care of, our sins forgiven. But you chose by your plan that suffering would be a part of this salvation experience. And little did they know in the, New Te- in the Old Testament that it would be your only Son. Christ, you are worthy to be praised help us today see the few examples we have in the passage we're looking at these great reasons on why you are worthy to be praised this we pray in jesus name amen amen now those of you who are in school and maybe you're just out of school you're gonna have to realize that sometimes credentials are very important in fact have any of you ever gone to a like a doctor's office or something or seen credentials on the wall have you seen someone's office where they got all their credentials kind of on the wall uh yeah credentials are important they're important to say hey this is what I've done this is what I'm about in fact I forgot to grab the one I have on my wall Natalie could you just in my office right by my door there by my desk there's I got one of my credentials hanging up did you just grab that from? I forgot to grab that. Sorry, one of my props. Sorry about that. Right. So credentials are important. In fact, in my life, I've needed to at times. Uh, kind of the pressure was on. You need to have credentials. In fact, one time when I was speaking in the Philippines, I was there at a very large church in Cebu, and uh, there was m- many people there. Many pastors were there, and they were wondering, you know, who is this guy? And uh, thank you, Natalie. You and uh, before i got up there he kind of was like okay this is this is Cody Cargis from the United States they have many many preachers come at different times and at, at the end of it he said listen he comes from the most prominent school not that i was hired from that school or something but i graduated from the in his wordings was he comes from the most prominent school Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and most of the people understood that all oh, this guy's fine we can listen to him and i was like wow okay oh okay glad to have that credential my father, when he was alive, he, after the divorce, he got remarried and married a Korean lady. And in the Appleton area, and after that, they went to, there's a Korean church that, that meets in the Appleton area, a Methodist church, and he went there and, until he passed away. And every year, I had the privilege of going there and preaching. Um, when I was at Arrowhead Bible Camp, at different times, I'd go to this church and preach. So every year, for, for many years, for like 15 years, every year I would preach at this church in Appleton, this Methodist church, and I'll never forget the last time I preached, which was two years ago, I preached there, and everyone there knew who I was, you know, it's, it's Penny's son-in-law, it's Les' son, and everyone knew who I was, except the new pastor. I remember getting there, and, and I got there early, and with my family, and we were excited because I could smell some of the kimchi and the food that, that was cooking and getting ready for us, and I was sitting there, and then the pastor shows up. And the pastor's like, well, wh- where's the guy that's preaching? And he brings me to his office, and he begins to grill me. So, who are you? Because in many ways, a pastor is to protect the pulpit, rightfully so. And he was protecting the pulpit. He's like, who's this guy? Usually, all, you know, he, it's himself, he's a Korean guy. His language was pretty good, so he was able to articulate, you know, what, what, who are you? What have you done? Why, why are you preaching here? And I was like, listen, I've been here. This is my 15th time preaching here. And, and I've done this every year. And he was still very leery. And he, I was going through some stuff and trying to assure him, you know, I've, I've got the Bible with me. I'll be preaching. Here's my notes. Take, he was scanning through the notes, made sure I was reading the Bible. And then finally I said, I went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. he went, oh, no problem. You can preach here. I'm like, wow, great thing I had that credential. But that wasn't the case when I was in high school or in college. When I was in college, I was able to preach at different churches. Take a look at this picture here. This is a picture of my roommate and myself. This is that is not a squirrel wrapped around my neck. This is us one day going to church. We went to church together. That's how I dressed. I'm hoping those hairdos come back. Okay. That's how I was, my ripped up jeans, I had my Bible, Uh, my picture of Jesus with his hand, blood coming out. I was like, yeah! And there's my roommate. This isn't the day that it happened, but this is to show you the example. I remember one time I was asked to preach at a church. And they were like, yeah, this Cody guy from Trinity College, he's coming, awesome. And I said, I'm going to bring my roommate, he plays the saxophone, he'll do special music, and I was, you know, talking with a pastor on the phone it was never through email because this is when email was just kind of started and i'll never forget walking up to the church i didn't dress like this but my hair was like that we're walking up and the pastor walks out of the church he's walking to greet us he knows that there's a saxophone player and a preacher he walks up pauses looks at the two and reaches his hand out to Chad hello Cody he thought he was the preacher you can get rid of that picture not to freak people out okay all right credentials are very important when I got done with the sermon he was very grateful that we came I do have a credential in my office I only have one and it's my elementary school education diploma why listen kids Finish school. This was the foundation of it all. If it wasn't for this, I probably wouldn't be here, right? I wouldn't have gone to high school. I wouldn't have gone to college. I wouldn't have gone to get my master's degree. This is important. This is the foundation, so I'm proud of my beginning, right? So I don't need to have all the other credentials that I could put on the wall. Credentials are important. And Jesus, Jesus has many credentials, many reasons, many criteria that he fulfills for us to worship him for us to be the son of god he is qualified there's many reasons why he's qualified to be the messiah and today we're going to look at the most important old testament passage that kind of lays it out here's his qualification here's the criteria here's his credentials and in fact in my mind I'm always thinking Isaiah's the passage to look at Christ but then this week I was more I was like wow this passage is unbelievable in fact it's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament Today we're going to look at three credentials and reasons why Christ is worthy to be praised and this is found in Psalm 110 Psalm 110 But before we begin with Psalm 110, I would like you to instead turn to Matthew 22. Because it is Jesus himself who uses Psalm 110 to verify, to say, here's my credentials. These are my credentials right here. So to begin with, we're going to turn to Matthew 22. the first credential is found which is found in Psalm 110 is also then expounded upon here in Matthew 22. The first credential, Christ is the Royal Lord. So write that down. The first credential, Christ is the Royal Lord. So in Matthew 22, Jesus is being pressed by the the jewish religious community the leaders and the religious officials at that time he's being questioned and kind of pressed to see where he stands in a variety of areas and the topics include who do we pay taxes to what about marriage and death and the resurrection what about the greatest commandment they're kind of trying to trick jesus and trying to pull out and see where he's all about And and matthew 22 covers that But then at the end, he finally turns the tables on his opponents. and Instead of them bombarding him with questions, which in many ways, if you read the first part, he then asks them questions to pull out their fallacies or their misunderstanding, and he corrects them. And then towards the end, he raises a series of questions, three questions, and he does this To reveal his identity, to say, look at my credential here. So let's begin with verse 42. Matthew 22, verse 42. What do you think of the Messiah? He says here. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. In fact, if you have your Bibles, It's interesting that some of our Bibles say Messiah and some of our translations say Christ. Does anybody have a translation that says Christ? Okay, a few of you. Again, think about last week. If you missed last week, please go online, look at it. I've got the notes. All notes, again, are posted online so you can kind of look at that. Again, Messiah and Christ are the same word. Messiah is the Hebrew word of this anointed one, this coming Savior. And the Greek word for that is Christ. Christ and Messiah are the same. So Jesus says, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. Their answer was correct, but partially correct, thus inadequate. We have learned that the Messiah was to be born from the line of David. Again, this is what we've been looking at a lot of our time in the Old Testament is realizing that there is someone coming from the line of David. And they had that partially correct. They were looking for a powerful human. Coming to bring liberation. Coming to free them from their oppressors. And they're thinking, okay, this Messiah is going to be the son of David and he's the one that's going to come and bring freedom. And this person would come and bring victory in political and military terms that's what they were thinking that's what they've been thinking through that's how they understood it they were under the oppression of the Roman Empire they're under this heartache and they knew that someone was coming this Messiah this Christ would do that they thought that only a human ruler would reign on the throne and bring a type of deliverance they wanted the type of deliverance I want is military deliverance the type of deliverance that we want is political and that's what they were thinking and this Messiah would have a particular credential that they wanted to fit what they thought and they looked right past Jesus they didn't think it was him they saw the Messiah in purely human terms as a physical descendant of David thus If he was a physical descendant of David, who was the great king, he would be inferior to David. Again, they were partially correct, but they didn't have the full picture. Knowing that they only saw this in human terms, knowing that they only saw this Messiah to be someone under David, because it would be David's son, a descendant of David, he then asked the second question. Take a look. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, in Psalm 110, verse 1, For he says, and this is what Jesus says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. So let's now take your Bibles and go to Psalm 110, verse 1 psalm 110 verse 1 the lord says to my lord take a look at the first verse here the lord says to my lord again this could be kind of confusing the lord says to my lord what's happening here now take a look at this i made a slide for you here so you can kind of see what this is about so again the hebrew in the hebrew it's it's pretty clear but in our english translations again sometimes it's not so clear So the Lord, the first one, if you notice in your Bibles, it's all capitals. Even though it's a different font size, notice how it's L-O-R-D, all capitals. And we've gone through this, if you remember back in Exodus 3.14, we were looking probably a year ago at this time. Well, no, we were in Genesis at this time. Exodus 3.14. This is God's personal name, Yahweh. So whenever Yahweh shows up in the Hebrew text, we in our English Bibles have it translated capital L O R D Lord Yahweh Yahweh is this covenantal name he's not just God he's not just some being he is the covenantal deliverer of Israel this is his personal name he's the great I am he's not just a God but he's personal He's the deliverer, and he's the great I am. For recall that message a year ago. I am whatever you need. I'm Yahweh Shalom. I'm Yahweh Nisi, victory. He's the great personal God. So whenever we see Yahweh, we've got to remember that this is God saying, I'm your personal covenantal God. So the Lord says to my, and the word my there refers to David. The Lord says to my, and then we got the next word, Lord. Now take a look at your Bibles. It's not in capitals there. Sometimes the editors will put capital L to kind of point to, look, at this is talking about Jesus. But most of the time it's lowercase l-o-r-d, which is Adonai, or Adonai. And this means Lord, Master, Lord, a term showing respect, honor. He's a master It's kind of the way we would say yes sir to someone in respect in reverence to someone who is above you. yes sir this is master so here jesus asks this question he quotes psalm 110 this says this if then david calls him lord how can he be his son So Jesus is trying to look at these religious people who know this passage, know this is about the Messiah, but they're only thinking in human terms. They're thinking, here's David the great king, the royal king, the greatest, and then out of his lineage, there will be a descendant who will be this Messiah. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Here's the question Jesus is asking. Why does David call his son, his descendant, Lord. That doesn't make sense. David is on top. He's the great king. Who would he call Lord? Well, no one in their minds. Remember that their understanding of the Messiah was that he would be a human descendant and thus inferior to David. The Davidic Messiah cannot be greater than David. How can David's son be his Lord? That doesn't make sense. How can this be? Who can be higher than the king of Israel? And this passage and the questions that Jesus gives them sound confusing and seems to be like a contradiction. This doesn't make sense. Thus, in the Matthew passage, they have no response. They're like, we don't know. This doesn't make sense. Yet Jesus, His questions to the religious leaders is based on Christ's understanding and Christ's interpretation of Psalm 110 that we're looking at right now. And in this psalm, He sees and He then reveals His credential. This Messiah is going to be greater than David. David calls Him Lord. And this Messiah is going to be greater than David that's the nature of the Messiah. And that is Jesus Himself. So the answer is that the Son of David is also the Son of God. The only way David can call his Son Lord is if if that Son is divine. We see in the book of Acts that David... Is speaking. We'll get to this passage here in a moment. David is using this passage to speak of the Messiah. And he understood that the Messiah himself would be his Lord. He would have authority over even David, the royal king of Israel. And he was more than just a human descendant. Somehow, this Messiah would be Adonai, master. He would be the Messiah. Who came from human descendant, yes, but also God's divine son, greater than David. And we learned a little bit about that last week. Remember, last week we read Psalm 2, and I kind of pointed out in blue letter. You know, these are how the human understanding of this passage. Then we went to the red letter. Take a look again at this slide. Here's the red letter edition of again. The king proclaims the Lord's decree the Lord said to me you are my son today and I have become your father Jesus was the son of David but also he was his Lord and that's what Psalm 110 verse 1 says so this first credential is that Christ is the Royal Lord his first credential Jesus being Lord has the power this is why Christ is worthy to be praised again if you ever wonder why do we celebrate and why do we worship jesus think of the royal crown he is adonai he is the lord he has the power he is so worthy to be praised let's now look at the next credential christ is the royal king psalm 110 the last part of verse one into verse two sit at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool for your feet the lord will extend your mighty scepter from zion saying rule in the midst of your enemies he is going to be this great royal king he's the one who wins it all and not only is he the lord adonai but he is melak he is the king I play a lot of board games. How many of you play board games or card games? Okay. I love playing board games, card games. Thank you in the sound booth. You guys are raising your hand. We play a lot together. Yes. And typically in our household, the conqueror, whoever wins, gets to have a couple ways to show that they're the winner. When we play chess, the one who says checkmate, they get to knock that king over. Have you ever done that before? Oh, it's funny. You knock it over, then you shake hands, but you go, ah, I just knocked your game. I'm, I'm the conqueror here. Another way that's very known in my household is if you win a game, a board game, you get to mark, a tally mark, you get to make a tally mark inside the box's cover. I was going to show you a picture of that, but uh, we don't have any pictures, and not to brag, but tally marks. But so does my little girl Grace. She, there's one game, she beats me a lot, and I just, so when you win, when you're the victor, you get to show, here's my credential. I'm knocking over your king, and then you shake hands, or there's a tally mark in the box. Here in this passage, we are seeing the beauty of the conquering king, and what does he get? What In this credential, what does he get? There's a few things that happen. He gets to sit at the right hand of God. God invites him to be second in command. Whoever is this person, they get to be, ha ah, the rest of you are subject to me. I get to sit at the right hand. That's the way we would think, but that's not what Christ does with that authority. He sits at the right hand. And when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the surrounding kingdoms that Israel was fighting against at different times, their kings also had a second in command. Also in this past year, we have a footstool. This is the place where the king would rest his feet after victory. And it was a metaphor to show absolute power over all things and control. Everyone else is in subordination to me. I'm putting my feet up on this footstool. You guys are all subordinate to me, is what the king would show in that example. He is the head. He's in control. And the enemy, they're under my feet. I'm gonna rest right now in the victory of who I am that's what this person would get another one extend your mighty scepter showing the power of his kingdom the power of his kingdom is not just limited to to what he could see but extended to all regions that he had victory in and the third part the fourth part here is he rules again showing complete authority Let's move again to the New Testament. So take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 starting with verse 32. And there's part, yeah, Acts chapter 2, chapter 4. They have so much dealing with the Psalms and the beauty of this. It's just wonderful. Acts 3, chapter 2, verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven. And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool for your feet and here it is verse 36 therefore let all israel be assured of this god has made this jesus whom you crucified both lord and christ or lord and messiah so just in this little section here, in Acts chapter 2, they're quoting what we just read. Showing the credentials of Jesus. And here are a few verses. Let me give you a few verses. If you are going to write some of these down, we're not going to have them on the screen. But here are some verses showing that Jesus is the Messiah in those four areas. The conquering king fulfills this. He sits at the right hand, Ephesians chapter 1.20 that Christ raised from the dead and seated Him at the place of honor, at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 1.20. Colossians 3.1, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So what was spoke of in Psalm 110 about the King and this future Messiah, Christ totally fulfilled. Footstool. Hebrews 10, 12-13. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Guess what? There is a day coming. and We see this in the book of Revelation where Christ will come and conquer all of the enemies. Amen? And will be placed under his feet. Colossians chapter 2.13. The good thing is we don't have to wait for that time to know that Christ is victorious over his enemies. Listen to this. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Colossians 2.13. Christ has power over his enemies. Praise God. The third thing, extend your mighty scepter. Revelation chapter 12, verse 5. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to His throne. Resurrection came and He was taken away. He is the one who extends power and authority over all places. And then lastly, rules. Jesus has all authority. Matthew 28. Just before He leaves, He says all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. He has all authority. Jesus is this great King. Revelation 19, verse 16. And on His robe and on His thigh He has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is truly the ruler. So the second credential is that Christ is the royal King. Jesus, being the king, has the authority. This is why Christ is worthy to be praised. Let's now move to the last credential. Let's go back to Psalm 110. Psalm 110, verse 4. And here the last credential in this passage. Again, Christ has more than just three. We're just looking and pulling out three out of Psalm 110 here. Christ is the royal priest. Then the Lord has taken an oath, and he will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus understood. And the Jews understood that this Messiah that was coming, this great promised one, was to be a conquering king. He would rule over all, but also, somehow, he would set up God's kingdom on this earth. And again, they were thinking military-wise. They were thinking politically. And that's the credentials they were thinking through. And only that. What they did understand also was that this Messiah would also be not just this conquering king, but he would also be a great priest. In fact, the great high priest. In Genesis 14, we dealt with this passage a year ago when we looked at this. Melchizedek was both king of Jerusalem in Genesis 14 but he was also priest of the Most High. He had both of those credentials. He was the king, but he was also the priest. And because of this position as priest, the priest of God, Abraham, served him. In fact, Abraham presented him an offering, a tenth of what he had, a tenth of the spoils of a battle, saying, you are a priest. And the writer of Hebrews gives a great extensive exposition on Psalm 110. In fact, this week I was kicking myself. I should have made this four sermons. But good thing, we're going to carry through. In fact, let's turn to one of those. Let's go to, so between Hebrews chapter 6 through 7, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Again, this could be multiple sermons. But instead, what I encourage you to do, is read Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 all the way through chapter 7 Christ is our high priest let's go to verse 17 of chapter 7 For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. Again, he's not saying that the law is useless, get rid of the Old Testament. Not at all. But he's showing that, guess what the law did? If you remember when we talked about the law, the law basically points out your sin, shows that you're a sinner, shows you need a Savior, and prepares us the Messiah a better hope and uses verse 19 for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God and that's found in Christ So the Lord Jesus is the priest of Psalm 110 again I'm not gonna take time looking at chapter 7 and, and 6 of Hebrews here but read through it it's a beautiful exposition on Psalm 110 Christ is the one who's the mediator between a sinful man and a holy God. You cannot dismiss that. And we need someone who would step in our place and atone for our sins. So the third credential is that Christ is the royal priest. Jesus being the priest has the place of intercession, has the place of mediation. This is why Christ is worthy to be praised. These three personas, Lord, King, Priest, is the same person found in Jesus Christ. This trifecta of credentials is spoken of in Psalm 110 is what Jesus lives out. And says, guess what? I am the Lord. I am the king and I am the priest. But what I want to do is look at the last four words of Psalm 110. Let's go back to Psalm 110. You've been going back and forth here. Psalm 110. different translations have it in different ways and they are all correct because they're speaking of this great aspect and I love how one translation has it in four words talking about this Messiah talking about this Lord that is coming not just in human terms but divine terms that's why David was able to say my Lord the great Yahweh said to my Lord this Adonai who will be above me he will be a king and a priest. <clears throat> and a great summary is this. And I have the words up on the screen. Four words. He will be victorious. He will be victorious. This Messiah, this mighty Lord, King, and Priest will have the crown of God Victory! Oh, we see that in the book of Revelation. He will be victorious. The Messiah was fulfilled in many ways. His King, His Priest, His Lord. But His enthronement at the right hand of God and all of this was done through let's go to Romans chapter 1. How was this all done? How are these credentials made? What did he have to do to prove that he was the one? Romans chapter 1. I remember when I first became an EMT, one of the guys on an ambulance. One of the things I had to prove before all of that was I knew first aid and CPR. I'd have that credential before I could make the next step and the next step. What is this great what did christ do to receive all of these things romans chapter one paul a servant of christ jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of god the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures wow so in the old testament he showed this we should do a series christ in the old testament here it is verse three and four look at these words regarding his son who as to his human nature was a descendant of David yep Oh, look at verse 4 and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power the way that he had this credential the way this all happened was declared with power to be the Son of God by, what was it? His resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, all this royalty, all of this, all of these credentials based upon His resurrection from the dead. Throughout Scripture, the Lord is always victorious. In the end, we are to know that he will be victorious. Jesus brings the ultimate and final victory of the Lord through his birth, life, obedience, death, suffering, and his resurrection. When Jesus defeated the enemies of sin and Satan and death, he also defeated our enemies. Amen. The number one most quoted psalm in all of the New Testament is Psalm 110, verse 1. Showing and declaring the Messiah will extend His rule over all. He will be victorious. He is the Lord. And He will fulfill that at the final time. The end of days. There's victory in Jesus. His victory is divine. So Look at me. Know this. That our Savior, who is royal and suffered, brings victory to you. There's victory and power in the name of Jesus. Never negate that. Never treat that like, oh yeah, there's victory. No, there's total victory in Jesus if you're struggling with addictions, if you're struggling with suffering, if you're struggling to know the Lord, turn to Christ. He is worthy to be praised and he brings victory to you. Amen? Usually don't do this, but raise your hand if you totally believe there's victory in Jesus. I say this every Sunday, the last couple Sundays to Joe and I. These sermons are just for you and I. There's victory. He's brought victory to you and to me. In your suffering, turn to Christ. He will be victorious. Amen? We took some time looking at Exodus. Do you remember that? Exodus 14.14. 14. Does anybody remember that verse? Remember I said this is an important verse. This is where the Gospel is surrounded by the Old Testament is found in Exodus chapter 14.14 and then in 1414 it says this the Lord will fight for you what is it the rest you need to be still the Lord will fight for you you need only to be still see victory isn't brought upon by our unction of what we can do we in many ways when it comes to sin are powerless well we got to fight but it's through the power of the spirit we fight we declare battle on sin But remember, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Here's how we're going to end. Many people don't realize that, in fact, I'm going to grab some water here. Many people don't realize that when people say things, I listen. Especially when they say things about, well, at my funeral, I kind of listen and go, okay, remember that. In fact, I've got this book in my office. It's just full of, Pages with people's names. Most of your names are on there. So if Mike would say something about, well, at my funeral, if I ever were here, I'll go back to my room and say, okay, at his funeral, make sure you get a bunch of guns out. No, I'm just kidding. That's from you. Just over a month ago, (coughs) Dolores Nickel, (coughs) excuse me, Dolores Nickel, who sits right back there on her way out with her walker, said this At my funeral, so then Pastor Gordy goes, remember this, sing Victory in Jesus. I'm going, okay, in five, ten years we'll be doing that. She passed away Monday. Total surprise, but she was old and, you know, your minds can be ready for that, but your hearts can never be ready for that. And I got the phone call, I was like, what? And when I hung up, I was like, oh, I know what we're singing. So take your hymnals out, 526. The worship team is coming up. people there is victory in Christ over death amen and I'm so glad that Jesus came as Messiah not as a political leader not as this military great person in general but he came to save us from our sins in fact he is in many ways the political one because he's to be the master of my life And He is that great victorious warrior. This is why we celebrate Jesus as Lord. So if you could stand as we sing this hymn. And I'm going to kind of do this a little old school. When I was a little boy, maybe you remember back in the day, the pastor would always lead the songs up here. He'd wave his hand. I don't know how to wave my hand. I'm not going to do that. And I don't have that great voice, but you know what? My God is great. And there is victory in Jesus. He is Lord. He is King. He is priest. He's got more credentials. I can even bet an I. And it's time that we sing loud. I want to turn off my mic, but I won't. We're going to sing this together: Victory in Jesus. <laughs>
1: I see. In. Victory beneath the cleansing flood. The chorus one more time. Victory in Jesus.
0: In our lives, we have one song we're going to sing. I'm not going to sing it. Aww. What we did yesterday at the funerals, we ended with that song. We sang the first line, and then with the casket in the family, we marched out as everyone finished the song. Because those who turn to Christ have the resurrection someday. And the life someday. And there is victory today and someday forever. Amen? Live in that as you make Christ your Lord, your King, and priest. Let's sing our last song together.